This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast. Shout! 257. This reputation of buying out of state became a risky thing. It is a different world we live in. And I talk about it in the book. There is so much technology has made available to us as far as doing your due diligence and doing research. When I buy a house in Jacksonville, it's not a lot different than if I was to buy it in my hometown. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? Eh, not a whole lot. It's the rainy season, which is 10 months out of the year out here in Washington, so it's nonstop raining. What about you? Do you know that we've been doing this show for about five years? Uh, it'll be five years in like in a couple January. weeks. January, yeah. yeah. Do you know that every other show you bitch and moan about it being the rainy season? I'm, I'm working on getting out for the winter. You know, I'm getting there. We'll see. I'm, an, yeah. I'm, I'm looking uh, at Hawaii as a nice winter destination. As 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 uh, my mom or somebody who is nagging me once said, you made your bed. <laughs> I actually heard this really good tip a, a while back. I can't remember who told me it, but they talked about like when you have kids, don't use the weather ever as a negative thing. And I, I've actually been trying to do this with my daughter is like, instead of, oh, it's raining, like parents are always negative about certain things. It's oh, raining. It's Let's cold. get out there yeah, and enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. When you, when you phrase things positive, kids grow up thinking it like, breaks that cycle of always assuming that certain types of weather, that our mood and our actions should depend on the weather. Eh, yeah. Kind of a cool tip. Yeah, but but what happens, do unfortunately, and and I've got this with my parents, and if they're listening, they're going to agree, um, is the, they get to an age, and it's I think it's like 60s-ish, maybe mid-60s, maybe a little older, where the weather channel becomes their core yeah. channel, right? <laughs> That's and, true. And I don't, know, I don't know what psychologically creates that for us, but like now all they watch is Fox, CNN, and the weather channel. And, you know, and it's always like this... Oh my God, it's going to be yeah. freezing. <laughs> did you know there was a hurricane in the, in the Caribbean? I, I did, <laughs> but I'm not, I, I'm not in the Caribbean. I'm not in the Caribbean. <laughs> it's like, this does not affect me. No, I feel sorry for those people who it does affect, but like, you know, can, can, can you do something other than watch the weather? No, Channel Mom? no. That's actually a lot what uh, Tim Ferriss talked about a few weeks ago on our show with Tim Ferriss is, he, you know, like shutting out the news sometimes because we can't affect it. So. Yeah, yeah exactly. you go tell your mom that. I, I want to see that conversation. Uh, I I just did because she listens to the show now. So she <laughs> okay, didn't good. listen for like the first two hundred and forty three of them. Well, All she, of a sudden, yes. she's into it. So now she's listening. And and Hi, mom. Um, I I don't know how the response is going to be to this one, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think she'll like your mom, accent. Mom, but. listen, stop watching the Weather Channel. Brand, <laughs> Brandon concurs. I concur. All right. Now that yeah. we're going to get sued from the Weather Channel, let's move on. Oh, you, can, you should watch the Weather Channel, just not constantly. Jeez, give me a break. All, All right, right, Mom, stop well, it. We got, we, got to move, we got to move this on because I don't think people want to hear about your mom. We've I love your got, mom, but you know. We, we have we we, got a great show, man. Today, yeah. Today's show was, is important. I would say it's not just a great show. It's an important show. It's a very unique perspective, one yeah. that I don't think that we've we've shared in yeah. a long time, or look, even how, at all. How many of you guys listening right now? Go ahead and raise your hand, unless you're driving. Keep your hands on the wheels. But how many <laughs> of you guys driving are living in a competitive market where things are too hot to buy deals? It's probably like three quarters of the audience is is raising their hand right now, right? So today's guest is somebody who's in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the most expensive markets in the country, and he talks a lot about. He's been on the show before, but we talk a lot about how to still prosper by investing out of state. And he actually lays out a very awesome plan for that. So we'll get to that a little bit later. It does, it does. But 
let's first get to today's quick tip. All right, right, today's quick tip is actually related to that because uh, our guest today is actually David Green, who we'll introduce in just a minute. But David Green actually wrote a book all about investing out of state. It's called The Long Distance or Long Distance Real Estate Investing, How to Buy, Rehab, and Manage Out-of-State Rental Properties. So here's the deal. We'll talk about it at the end of the show, like an hour in. But this book is amazing, and it is on sale right now. The day this podcast comes out, it is on sale. And if you buy in the first, I think it's 10 days, you're going to get a special couple bonuses, including a live online class with David, where we're going to walk through his portfolio and he's going to show you how he did it. Uh, it's going to be really amazing. Plus there's a bunch of other really great bonuses you'll hear about later. So awesome. if you're going to buy it, buy it in the first 10 days. And if you listen to this in the future, buy it anyway, you're going to love it. So uh, go to biggerpockets.com slash long distance book, biggerpockets.com slash long distance book. It's fantastic, awesome. but awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com BP. Connectinvest.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Very good. You guys, this is show 257 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash 257. 
257. That's biggerpockets.com slash show 257. Hey, I, I don't know if you guys are listening all the way through, but I really, really strongly encourage it, particularly in today's show. We've got a segment called the Random Six, and today's Random Six <laughs> yeah. happened to be easily my favorite Random Six that we've ever done. It's hilarious. So um, yeah, it's definitely- after, yeah, it's at the end of the show, after the music, all that. Yeah, listen all the way through. It's great. You know, like, it's, it's pretty funny, it's, yeah. Good conversation great. and- Deep. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. So today's guest, guys. Today's guest, as Brandon mentioned, is David Green, formerly on episode 169 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. If you want to go find that, go to biggerpockets.com slash show 169. That's biggerpockets.com slash 169. David Green is a police officer who began working a lot of overtime buying investment property back in 2009. He then began buying out of state when the market got too expensive in Northern California. Uh, he moved to Arizona, then Florida, where he buys today. Uh, he owns mortgage notes, shares in mortgage note fund, shares in three large apartment complexes, 25 single ham- family houses. Whoa. He's also a real estate agent and uh, was recently featured on an episode of House Hunters, which I watched is that. awesome. I watched that episode. It was, it was I like, have not uh, yet seen yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta watch it. I was, like, I was like, that's my buddy, David. I recorded it. Did he have the ridiculous beard? I mean, uh, really nice, he did handsome not, beard. <laughs> he did not have the beard when he filmed that, but I have it on my DVR. I'll show you next time you come hang out with me. Oh, that's right. You've never been to my awesome. house. Come no, on, never been invited. Never been invited. You're um, invited right now. Everybody heard it here live. You're invited in my I'm house. I'm coming. I'm right. coming. Right. And he sent me this message earlier. I said he wants to be the Stephen Curry of, is that Curry? Curry? Curry of, Stephen, of real estate. Stephen Curry? I don't know. Stephen, anyway, I don't Stephen, follow basketball. Steph, Steph Curry. Steph. Okay, Steph. Curry. Steph. He's, he's great. Best he's dog. like probably, arguably <laughs> one of the two best basketball players alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get David. You want to bring him in? Yeah, well, b- before we do really quick, guys, th- this show is not just about long distance real estate investing. I, uh, you know, like we, we do focus on it, but there's so much in here that will relate to you no matter where you are. We dive really, really deep on relationships, how yeah. to foster relationships and why they're so important. In fact, you know, frankly, th- this show should be a primer for probably anybody be- yeah. because, you know, when, when we talk about, I, I forget the, uh, the the exact quote he used, what, what do you call them? The four pillars, the four. Um, the core four. The core four. Yeah, I love your the core, core four. four. Your team, your core four. Yeah. Like, and how to use those core four to kind of check each other. Yep. Right. And, and, and as a result to check you, it's, it's, it's amazing. This concept is unbelievable. I definitely recommend everybody listen all the way through on this one. Cause there's, there's a ton of great stuff. So let's bring them in. All right, David, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Josh, Brandon, thank you guys for having me back on. It's not every day you get to be a guest on the very best podcast on all of iTunes. Wow. Yeah, this buddy, guy, that's what this I'm guy. talking about. Kissing up. <laughs> that's a good you way to start the really show. You are really good at it, man. Really good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. For, for those who haven't actually listened to the first time David Green was on here, I have been told by numerous people it is the funniest episode of the Bigger Pockets podcast we ever put out. Like Numerous really? people have told me that, yeah. Because apparently they made fun of me. And I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember something about... <laughs> Them. David, do you remember? I don't, it was, it, we don't need to Brand, go there, but. Brandon's like, not that memorable. There, so I don't, yeah, I, I just remember people thought it was pretty funny. So go back and listen to that episode. And it was very informative, I'm sure. You know, I just don't remember it. Because it's been like two years. So we're doing a well, recap April, today. April 2016, was, it was on. Not quite two years, but let's, let's kind of catch up, man. I mean, we're, we're not going to give us the 30 second up to the show. And, and I will then, time you. And then give us. What's been happening over the last year and a half? All right. So in the last year and a half, I kept buying real estate. I got really good at going into new markets and continuing the process that I had put together when we talked about the first time buying real estate in markets that made sense rather than my market, which doesn't. 
about six months ago, I took a leave of absence from the police force and I went full time into being a full time agent and then investing from there. It's kind of got a like a synergistic component where I can work representing people buying and selling houses and then also doing my own stuff too. And that's been awesome. Right now I'm sitting at number one in my office out of about a hundred agents. It's only been six months and I'm building up a team and I've I've kind of just dove in, you know, two feet first right into the world of real estate and immersed myself in it and I'm loving it. You know, guys, nice. I, I don't want to sit here. David went 38 seconds. Uh, if you can't follow the rules, then I well, don't know if I want to be a part of this show. Yeah, I don't know. We, I don't know. we, well, we laid some very specific ground rules. <laughs> now that I'm not a cop at right now, I'm just kind of said, screw the rules. I'm doing whatever I want. Oh, good. You don't have to follow the rules whoa, now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right. Hey, so you are in a leave of absence as as a police officer. Tell us up to up to the last show though you know what kind of deals were you doing what kind of real estate were you involved in i know you were an agent you were starting to do some bigger things uh, fill us in on that too so up to the last show what what i was doing yeah just okay, so people so, who haven't heard 169 gotcha. i live in california in the san francisco bay area and i was buying in arizona because california just got to be too expensive so i kind of slowly learned how to put a team together in other states where it makes sense to be investing where you have strong price to rent ratios where you're more likely to find properties that work for buy and hold rentals i still flip houses where i live but it just doesn't make sense to try to buy a rental you're going to lose money on anything you buy in the bay area right now and then after the last show i did with you guys i got a little more kind of dialed in and focused on buying in florida and i started buying about two houses a month out there and really kind of perfected that system that i had of going into a new market finding the people that i need to be investing there fostering those relationships getting really dialed in finding the best of the best and putting a dream team together and then it kind of just runs on autopilot where you've got a system in place where you can be buying houses and not having to do a ton of work and from there i kind of ventured in arkansas so i started buying houses in arkansas and now i've done it enough times that i feel like i can go anywhere in the United States that I want and I can put a team together and start buying rental property and making money. That's awesome. So, so you went from Florida to Arkansas. That's, that's kind of a... <laughs> Arkansas, Josh? Ar- it's Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, good job. Wait, wait oh, a... Is that... Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what I, what I want to do is I want to actually spend this show from a very selfish standpoint, as most of these episodes are, I want to talk to you about buying out of state because for, mo- yeah, for most people, especially those who live on the coast, meaning anywhere, you know, on the left or right coast, it's too hard to find deals. It's really, really getting tough. And even in my market where I used to buy properties for 20, 30 grand, like everything's overheated. But I found that like there are markets across the country, especially in some areas of the Midwest and apparently, you know, you get in Florida, you can still get really well-priced properties. So is that okay? We just spend this show talking about how to invest out of state. Is that all good with you guys? I don't ask, I, for, I, I don't need to ask for permission I, from Josh. I, I, I think, good with you, I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, <laughs> g- given... I mean, given this thing here, given the fact I, that I, we're right, we're launching a book today on this. We topic. are, we are launching a book on the topic. And and so, yeah, let's, I mean, let's dive in and, and kind of figure that out. So I, I'm going to just jump in right here. Cause you started going crazy with all these details and I, I want to hear about it. Florida, two houses a month, putting a dream team together. Why Florida? So obviously something about that market grabbed you. So m- maybe why did that market grab you and, and how does somebody find a market like Florida for you. And obviously Florida is not a market. It's a state. You, there's markets within Florida that you're focused on, but how does somebody kind of decide what market to look at, to consider if they're thinking about buying out of state? So I do talk about that in the book quite a bit. Cause that's one of the questions I get asked more than, more than others is people want to say, what market do I want to go into? And then once they decide their market, they want to go put their team together and you can do it that way. What I've found is that real estate is real estate. 
If a property cash flows, it will cash flow. If you can add equity, you'll add equity. The market itself is not quite as important as the success you're likely to have in that market. So for me, the, the hardest part that I have in real estate investing, we talked about this on the last show, is finding a lender. Once you have more than 10 finance properties, it's very difficult to find a lender. So I found someone that had a lender in Florida that would let me borrow. And then I, that lender had referrals as far as real estate agents that could find deals. Those agents had referrals as far as what property managers were good. And those property managers had referrals as to what contractors I needed. And once I have those four pieces, I can buy anywhere. So really, I kind of backed up into Florida because they just had the people that I needed. And then when I looked closer into the market, I realized, how do I make this market work? Right. So, so over there, there's a lot of high cash flow properties and there's a lot of properties that are still in foreclosure. They haven't gone through a lot of their inventory. So it's very easy for me to find stuff that's in really bad shape. Maybe someone was trying to flip it and stopped halfway through, or it's been sitting on the market for 200 days and it's in terrible condition. So in that market, my strategy is to go and I look for properties that are, that need a lot of serious rehab work. I fix them up and then I refine, pull my money out and I'm able to pull out usually hundred percent of my capital, maybe a little bit more sometimes because in that market, it makes sense. In a different market, I might have a different strategy, but what's really important is that you find the people that are going to help you find the properties. I think that's fascinating. I mean, I don't think yeah. we've ever heard that discussed here on the show. That. Yeah, is find the people first. Because it's true, like the people are going to make you successful or not. There's people, there are people finding success in real estate in probably every state in, in you know, in the country, uh, I'm sure, and probably every city in the country. <clears throat> but you know, every area has got a different thing that's better or worse for. Like you said, Florida, that strategy is working really well by the dumpy properties that you can then basically burr, right? You're burring these properties. Absolutely. Uh, and pulling your cash out. And that works really well. So if you can do that in a hundred different cities in America, find the team, go there. I love that. I think that's a fantastic tip. Well, can, can we go back to that then? Like finding that lender first. Yeah. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense, by the way, finding that lender, the lender leads to the agent, leads to the PM yep. who leads to the contractors. Very, very logical. How do I, you know, I'm, I'm a new real estate investor or I'm not new and, and I'm uh, thinking about, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I heard Montana's cool, like cool. So I go and I find a lender in Montana who works in Montana. I, presumably you would want somebody local so that they would have the contacts with the local agents and everybody. How do I go about finding that person? So that's the process that I spell out in the book, pretty much A to Z, exactly how I do it. It's not hard to find a lender per se. You can go through finding an agent, which are everywhere. They're all over the place. You can find them online. You can find referrals from other investors. You can find someone like what I would probably do in all honesty is if I wanted to invest in Montana, I'd go on bigger pockets and I'd look for uh, people that are members in Montana. And I'd look for like a pro member that has like some weight behind them. That's actually done a couple deals, not a newbie who's just trying to learn. Or I'd even look for like a meetup group in Montana. I'd find out who runs that meetup group and I'd become that person's best friend. I'd figure out what value can I bring to them? What do they need? How can I help them? How can I win them over? Once I had their trust, I'd say, hey, I'm really looking for a lender that will let me do a portfolio loan or maybe someone that will lend a commercial loan over several properties. Can you help me out? And I'd have him start pumping all the buddies that he has that come to the REA meetups the real estate investing meetups and saying, hey, who do you guys know that can help David with this problem that he's got? Once you find that first piece that gets your foot in the door and that will start this like domino effect of you finding more and more pieces that you need to put stuff together. Then all you have to do is make sure that it's what I call a target rich environment. I want to know that if I'm going there to buy flips, that there's a lot of properties that have a lot of potential meat on the bone, right? Higher price points are going to help me there. If I'm looking to buy, buy and hold stuff, I'm looking for a market where there's more likely that they're going to meet the 1% rule. There's a, a strong rental market. There's a lot of tenants that actually want to own home or rent homes in that area. And if it meets those two criteria, 
criteria, like I'm good to go. There's going to be people there that it's their full-time job to do the things that I need done to make my business run. Got it. I love that. You, you had talked about finding value to offer to them. How do you offer value to somebody uh, hundreds or thousands of miles away? Like what, what, what do you mean when you say, I, uh, I want to offer them value? So that's like the million dollar question. Cause if you can answer that question, you could be successful in whatever business you want to do ever. Yeah. Most of us have the wrong mindset. We say, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. Who is here to help me do it? And we have this expectation that it's their job to help us. So I'm sure you guys get hit up all the time from people that say, Hey, I want to build a business. I want to start a tech company. Brandon, I want to flip houses too. help me. And that's what they say. And that's yep. where they leave it, right? You're not that likely to help that person. One, you don't have enough time in the world to do it. And two, really, they're asking you to take time away from your family, your business, your personal life to help a stranger that you don't know. Yep. The better way to run a business in general is to get good at helping other people accomplish what they want to and then finding the right kind of people. If you pour into the right person with like a good heart, it's going to be very hard for them not to want to give back to you. So in the business of real estate in general, in the book I talk about, you got to get to know everyone's job that you're going to work with, not just your job, right? It's my job to find deals or find people that find deals, but I need to know how a contractor works. I need to know how a property manager works. I need to know how a real estate agent works so that I can know how to help them. If a real estate agent is, has a, a business of selling homes, if I can send him referrals, I've just made myself valuable to him. That's perfect, right? What, yep. What's what's in it for me, essentially, but on the opposite, like what's Correct. in it for them? Yeah, exactly. Start with that. Yeah, and there That's is right. there is also something to. I mean, I a hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that because I, like I get hit up all the time. But you said something else there that if you, I can't remember the exact words you used, but something like if you go to somebody like, would you say with earnest or like. Like with a good heart, like if you got like, yes. yeah, like I do work with people occasionally. Like I'll help people sit down for lunch and things like that. And I know Josh does too. And it's usually people like somehow they appealed to like, I mean, I don't want to say appeal to our heart, but like somehow there was like an emotional attachment to that person somehow for some reason. And there's different reasons all the time. Like you said, if you can figure that out, you'll be successful in anything, but you know, figure well, out what we, that we, is. We talked about that a bit with the, on the Tim Ferriss show. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I had mentioned was these curiosity conversations that I had uh, learned about through Brian Grazer. And uh, he's got a book out, which whose title I can't think, and I'm in the middle of reading it. But uh, the whole idea is, you know, he would go and he would reach out to people he was curious about, but he would always try and do his research and he would figure out, you know, if it was a movie producer or let's, let's say he wanted to meet Steven Spielberg, right? He's not going to go to Spielberg and be like, Hey, Steven Spielberg, yours. You know, I want to talk to you about making movies. It was, you know, maybe it would be like, Hey, in jaws, I noticed that Roy Schneider was, was Roy Schneider. Uh, however, I hope I didn't butcher it. Um, <laughs> I no you know, had this deep emotional bond with the shark, despite all this other stuff, you know, you know, really some deep introspective stuff about what was happening in the movie and that's an angle that he's never heard before. That's something where he's like, oh, well, this is kind of interesting. I'd love to hear this, right? So finding something new, finding something fresh, a perspective that other people may not have, I think is a great way to appeal to people. And in the case of real estate, you know, maybe it's something like that, or maybe it's just, you know, what value can I bring to you? Yeah, that's 100% right. I think people need to understand that investing is still real estate and real estate will always be a relationship business. It's yeah, why yeah. like companies like Zillow have not taken over the market like everyone keeps telling us that they're going to do. The deals that I find at this point, I don't even look for deals. I look for people that can find me deals. 
it's all about fostering those relationships. I need to have great relationships with my contractor, with my lender, with the property managers, because I'm relying on them and their advice to basically run my whole business. And I'm sure if we made this podcast about how Josh built bigger pockets, he would tell you it was built on the backs of good hires that I made. When I found a talented person that could do this thing well, it helped me get to the next level and really make this thing bigger. And if we look at the ways that bigger pockets has helped uh, all of us, somebody was behind that. I mean, everybody in, that's in my dig, local yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, the guy in Washington, eh, no. <laughs> well, you in spite of that hire. That just goes in to show of, how amazing Josh is. That's how is. amazing I am as a human <laughs> With being. the anchor of Brandon <laughs> holding him back, he was still able to push the ship forward. The anchor. That's going to be my new nickname, Brandon the that Anchor Turner. That is a Turner. great nickname. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so I want I want, <laughs> I want to touch on a couple of things you said here. First of all, yeah, when you're trying to reach out to somebody, a, a couple of things that I found works really, really well. By, by the way, I love the tip you said about go to like a Bigger Pockets meetup. I mean, there's these meetups happening, like these unofficial meetups of Bigger Pockets members happening at restaurants, bars, whatever, parks all around the country all the time. If you guys go to biggerpockets.com forward slash events, E-V-E-N-T-S, you can find one in your area. And if there's not one, you're so in luck because you can start one. Right. Or there's local real estate investing yeah, associations. There's, exactly. there's, Rios, there's all sorts of things happening. Yeah, yeah, so, go to any and all that. Yeah, stuff. go to whatever you can and connect with people. But then here's what I find works really, really well. When you go to somebody and say, hey, I'm looking to get, I'm looking for help. Will you help me? That's like, what are people supposed to say to that? Oh, uh, I don't know. But if you go to somebody and say, hi, I'm looking for a lender in your area. Why, like, why would somebody not tell them? Like if somebody contacted me and said, hey, Brandon, I'm looking for a lender in Grace Harbor, Washington. Do you have anybody you recommend? It only looks good on me to recommend. Like it looks great on me. Of course, I'm going to tell them. Even if they're a newbie and provide no value, I'm going to tell them exactly who I use. I use Timberland Bank for most of my stuff. So like, uh, why wouldn't I say that? Because it referrals are great on me. They're great on them. So again, come with specific questions like that. Who do you use for a lender? Uh, and, and people are going to be open to that, especially in an environment where there's alcohol. So <laughs> like uh, a lot of meetups. So anyway, moving nice. on, moving on. All right. All right. I'm just, this is a know, good question. I, I know what you're going to ask because I a see great your question. paper well, Of course you, I know you do. Yeah. So, I, we're working you know, on the same note paper here. Yes, we are. No paper. This no, is, this is computer, Google paper. drive, whatever, yes. you know? All right. Let's just cut to the question here, Brandon. So the question, right, my question is, should a newbie this? invest in long <laughs> distance Properties? Am I taking your? We're talking. We're diving in on all this stuff, and but you know, there's a lot of people listening who've never done this, right? Now, are we are we here telling newbies? Yeah, you should go ahead and invest at long distance. I don't think we are necessarily saying yeah, you should do this. But my question is, uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. (laughs) I'm I'm saying like David Green should answer that question (laughs) and give his advice because I, I think he's got a unique perspective here. So here's what I would say, because I get asked that question quite often too. If you were to go buy yourself a car, would you actually open the hood and pour through the engine and read books on understanding how engines work to make sure that that Camry is the best car for you? Or would you read like a consumer report that compares a Camry to an Accord to a Hyundai and and use that expert's opinion to base your decision on? I would probably Uh base it on an expert's opinion. Most of us do, right? So what I found is if I can just find the experts, I don't have to become an, an expert myself in car engines. 
and I can be so much more efficient with my time and myself and what I'm doing. Most of the time, if you look at decisions we make, it's based off of someone else's opinion. Do I want to go to this restaurant? I'm looking at Yelp. Should I buy this house? Let me call someone else and ask them what they think. Very few things are we actually like a Nikola Tesla where we've just studied electricity to the point that we know it inside and out. For a long time, out-of-state investing had a terrible reputation because you could not get an expert's opinion that you trusted. You just couldn't get the information. So if I wanted to go buy in Boise, Idaho as a Californian, I was calling some broker I didn't know. There was no way that I'd ever be able to put an online review if he gave me bad advice. So he basically had a free shot. I was just trusting the opinion of a stranger and hoping that he was a good guy. And he was going to tell me this is a great deal. This is why you should buy it. The price is going to look super cheap to me out in California. And I'm going to say, okay. And it could be the worst neighborhood ever. It could be a house that's built on a dump. It could be, you know, any number of things. And that guy is going to sell it to the stupid out-of-state investor. And that's kind of how this this reputation of buying out-of-state became a risky thing. It is a different world we live in. And I talk about it in the book. There is so much technology has made available to us as far as doing your due diligence and doing research. When I buy a house in Jacksonville, it's not a lot different than if I was to buy it in my hometown. The same information is there. And nowadays, if somebody gives me bad advice or they do me wrong, I can write an online review to warn everyone else and someone else would have already done that about that person. You can find out a lot about the people you're getting advice from just from the other people that they've worked with and the referrals that they have. So I challenge most people when they say, oh, I don't want to buy outside of my own backyard. I would say, if you understand that backyard just as good as yours, what would it make a difference? I'm not a farmer. I don't understand uh, how farmers plant different crops and how they grow them. But I know that if I have a farmer somewhere else and he's he's working a field and he knows how to grow peas out there, that's really all that I need. I don't need to have to learn how to farm in my own backyard just because I understand it. You know, it kind of reminds me of like the 80-20 rule. Like, you know, they say like what 20% of in what 20% of things can you do to make sure you get 80% of the results? In this case, like, you know, Tim Ferriss is big on that. But in this case, if you just find the right people, everything else becomes easier. Or the one thing, right? The one thing a book we all love, like What's the one thing you can do to make your out-of-state investing successful? Find the right people. I'm done with that right now, right? So I got this 24-unit under contract in Ohio, which is a scary thing to go buy a big apartment out-of-state. But I know that if I can just get the right people, everything will be much better. And so I think that's, you know, fantastic advice. We've kind of talked about it a number of times here. But I want to I step back just a minute. And you mentioned technology, like in today's world. And I, I know your book talks a lot about this. But what type of, what websites, what tools, what things are you using to gauge today? I mean, what, what are you using? So most of what I'm going to use is going to be to verify the information that some like quote unquote expert told me to make sure that they're legit. Okay. So if you wanted to go buy a house anywhere, there's a couple numbers metrics you'd have to get to make sure it made sense. One, you'd want to know what's the rent going to be. And two, you'd want to know what are my expenses going to be when I buy this property. From there, it slowly becomes what's the area like? Is it likely to appreciate? Is there a strong tenant pool? What are the vacancy rates? Stuff like that. There's a couple websites and programs out there that make this like something you can do in 30 seconds. I use rentometer.com, a website to check the rents of what my property managers are telling me. If he's saying, yeah, it's going to rent for 1100 and rentometer's telling me 1400, there's some discrepancy there. And he better be able to explain to me why rentometer is giving me such a higher number than what he is, right? If there's no explanation, that's a property manager who's just lazy and knows he can get it rented out really quick for 1100 bucks and doesn't care about my bottom line. He's gone. Yeah. The other cool thing about the system I put together is I'll have my real estate agents also verify the comps that my property managers gave me as far as what the rent is, because they can look and see what the other houses for rents are being advertised at. That's easy to do. There was a time you just couldn't do that. There 
was no way you could know what a real estate agent was looking at as far as, as the rents. They didn't have things all set up electronically. It wasn't easy to verify. I use programs like a mortgage calculator on my phone that helps me run like estimates of what it would cost to get a loan at a certain amount, a certain interest rate. In 10 seconds, I can get that information together. I use Yelp to look at the people that I'm working with or the Zillow reviews to see what other people have said. And then if you can ask them for referrals of other people they worked with, you can call those people to verify like, hey, did this guy do a good job or was he kind of a flake? Got it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's verifying the numbers. That's verifying the data. That's verifying the individuals. But what what that doesn't verify is what's actually happening on the ground. And And, you know, there's one thing to trust, but what about verify? So, you know, it's, it's, do you have a system in place where you don't have to hop on a plane from California to Florida twice a month to make sure, you know, rehabs are going well, you can actually see it. You can get the photos, you know, Google earth isn't going to give that to you. So how do you deal with situations where you want to actually see that things are going well with the physical structure or rehabs and things like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think when I figured that out is that when I got from me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you made it up right now too, just freestyling over there like Eminem <laughs> with really I good questions. Baby. That's what I do. <laughs> so you, what you don't want is to rely on a contractor who you don't know's word that he did the stuff that he told you he did before you sent right. him your next draw, right? So what I do is I have somebody else on the team of my core four. That's what I call them, your agent, your lender, your contractor, your property manager. They're always verifying the work of the, another member. So for instance, let's say that my agent sends me a house and they say, hey, David, you should buy 123 Main Street. I'll send that information to my property manager and say, hey, what's this neighborhood like? Is this going to be a problem? Are these going to rent really quick? Is this the right side of the street? Tell me what's going on. He knows I'm very picky and I'm going to hold him accountable for the advice he gives me. So if he gives me a thumbs up and it ends up being bad, I'm taking away every rental I have with him and giving them to his competitor. So that's one way that I make sure that my uh, my agents are giving me good information as well as a property manager. I do the same thing with the interest rate that my lender gives me. I say to my agent, hey, is this the same thing that your other clients are getting? Or is this about right with what you see other people getting or does this seem high to you, right? So when it comes to the actual rehab work, I go over the scope of work with my contractor based on videos and pictures my agent takes for me of the house. He says, hey, David, this is what it looks like. This is what I can see we're going to need to do. I run it by my contractor and he should be telling me pretty much the same stuff as agent. There may be some minor discrepancies about things, but in general, if one person's telling me like, hey, we're okay with a two bedroom house and the other one's saying, no, we should make this a four bedroom house. I need to look in to see why you're not giving me the same advice. The cool part about technology nowadays is once that contractor has done what he said he would do, put in the floor, fix some drywall, did some painting, whatever, I can have my agent go take pictures and video of that house and send it back to me and show, yeah, the work was done. And then the contractor will jump in and you know, go ahead, Josh. I, I was going to say really quickly, how do you, you know, on, on a property that you've closed, how do you get the agent to make that worth their while? Are you paying the agent to, to do that? Or is it just because they, in that relationship, there's an expectation there's going to be more business if they do these things for you? The expectations there, but I make sure that I'm only asking them to do things that are in their own best interest. And I talk about that a lot in the book, how you kind of align your interests with those of the people that are on your team. So if I'm going to flip this house, my agent's going to be there every single step of the way to make sure the contractor did the right work. Because when that product's finished, he can't put the house on the market to sell it if there's stuff that didn't get done or if it doesn't look right. right. The same is true if I'm going to rent it, I send the property manager by. He's coming in every step of the way to make sure that the work is being done the right way. Because if it's not, then it's his problem that he's got to fix once it's done. Is that yeah. something that a property manager should be doing for you? You know, presumably they should be willing to get in their car and drive over to look and make sure that the work is being done appropriately, I would assume. 
if it's my first house I'm doing with somebody, I'd pay him probably like a hundred bucks to go and check on the work every time. And that would yeah. be well worth it to me to make sure I'm not getting ripped off by my contractor. Once I've done a couple of deals in that area, they won't ask you for money. They're going to be yeah. so happy when you're bringing them enough deals that they're more than willing to do it. You know, here's cool. what, here's what I'm hearing from you and that I really like a lot. And, uh, it just was really made apparent to me. It's, you know, how like the U S government back in the 1700s when they formed like the judicial branch and the executive branch and legislative when uh, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when it worked, <laughs> they had all these, like, I mean, we still do, we have checks and balances, right? That's exactly how I view this, your whole philosophy of these team members is checks and balances. So the contractor is being checked by the agent. The agent's being checked by the property manager. The property manager being checked by the other guy. And the, everything's being checked by different sources. So you're never relying on any one person's view or the ability to screw you over. It would take multiple points of failure to really like cause you a lot of harm. Does that sound like a good assessment of that? That's that's an awesome analogy. It would almost, they'd have to be in conspiracy to, yeah. be able to get over <laughs> Yeah. And that's why when I hear people say, oh, I don't want to invest out of state. That's too risky. I, I don't know what to tell you because it's only risky if you're lazy. And I was you're just going to use that word lazy. Of, right. And yeah. a lot of people are a lot of people are like, I want to invest out of state. Whoa. So <laughs> what I'm going to do Whoa. is I'm just going to find a company who and I'm, I'm not dissing turnkey here because we can talk about that in a second. But like I'm going to find a company who will just tell me what I want to hear. And the time it return, I pay some money and then I go on with my life because I don't want to do any work, right? So let, let's talk about that. There's a lot of people who ask that question to me and I'm sure you get it too. Turnkey companies. What is a turnkey company and what are your thoughts on it? A turnkey company is a company that basically does all the work for you and hands you over a product that all you have to do is turn the key and walk in the door. I am staunchly opposed to turnkey companies because I believe that you should be investing in real estate to build wealth and you're building your turnkey company's wealth when you're buying a product from them. Now there is a, like, like everything in life, there is a consumer for every product that's out there. If you're somebody who's making so much money that you do not have a place to put it and you do not have time to learn where to put it, turnkey's perfect for you. I always use this analogy. It's like going to 7-Eleven and paying $3 for a Coke when you could buy a 12-pack for 3 bucks at Costco. What you're paying for is convenience. I don't want to have to go to Costco, buy this Coke, take it home, put it in my fridge, have it be cold, and then remember to grab it before I leave the house. If you need convenience and you're not worried about money, turnkeys are awesome, man, then go that way. But most people on bigger pockets are here to learn about real estate. They're not here that are making so much money that they just have to stick it somewhere. Somewhere. For those people, you really need to look at you're not getting any equity in that deal when you buy with a turnkey company. The less equity you have, the less cash flow you're going to have. You're way better off learning how to do this yourself and, and you reaping the benefits of all that work than kind of taking, like you said, the lazy road and paying somebody else to do it all for you. I think that people believe that a turnkey buy is safer for their first buy. So that's why a lot of people do it. They kind of want to get their feet wet rather than jumping in. The problem is, Brandon, as you know, and, and Josh, you too, the real value when you're doing something new is what you learn. It's not what you earn. You're not going to make money right away when you first start doing anything new. It's only going to be what you learn that will make you money later. Like Brandon, your first flip, you lost money on it. Yep. Now you've gone on to make tons of money on tons of flips. You did that because you learned something during that first flip that was very valuable to you. When you're buying from a turnkey company, you're not really learning very much. You're, you're I, helping their bottom line. I, I always tell people, and I have to, you know, there's a caveat to this, but I always tell people like the first deal doesn't matter. Like in the grand scheme of things, the first, like people are like fret so much like, oh, it's only $120 a month in cash flow, and I'm getting a hundred and I want 130. I'm not going to do the deal. And like, again, I, I, I want to, I'll say this and then don't stop listening because I have a, a, a caveat, <laughs> but the first deal doesn't matter. Do something right now. Don't go buy a bad deal. Learn how to do it right. But it's better to just get moving than to do it perfect because the first deal, the only goal is to get the knowledge to do the second deal. The only goal of the second deal is to get the knowledge to do the third. You're never getting rich off one deal or two deals. You're getting rich off 
a decade or two decades of investing. Like that's what matters is that. So I, I like that. But yeah, again, don't go buy a bad deal. I'm not saying do that. But, you know, if if the deal, you're, you're fretting about a few dollars here and there, just do something. Uh, and I think, David, actually, you're the one that like really impressed that upon me a few times. Like just get out there and do something. You, like you really encouraged me. Your book, like when I read your book, um, just the first draft, you know, months and months ago is what encouraged me to go out of state. And so this year I'll what triple, almost quadruple my portfolio because of the advice that you gave. Cause I realized, Oh, if David can do it, I can do it. Right. Cop can do it. Because I realized like, it's not this like mysterious thing to invest out of state. Like, you know, it's just, it's a process like anything else. Once you learn how to do it and this, this deal will not be my last out of state. I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff and I'm going to apply it next time with bigger deals, hopefully. And anyway, so thank you, David, yeah, for I think that. Oh, my pleasure, Brendan. When you, when you learn that you can invest anywhere, you go to the markets that make the most sense for you, not the places that are most convenient for you. And I found that there's a pattern that kind of runs throughout business of there's a spectrum of convenient versus profitable, and they're rarely ever on the same side. And you got to figure out where on that spectrum you're willing to go. The further away from convenience that you're willing to go, usually the more into profitability that you can get. If you look at just a case study of bigger pockets itself, I don't know your financials, but I would imagine that the first several years this company was around, they weren't doing anything, right? And now it's a juggernaut that nobody can even compete with because Josh was concerned with what he was learning and what he was building, not what he was earning right away. And real estate is exactly like that. If you're willing to put in the time to learn how to do this thing out of state, which in my opinion, to be completely honest, is not much different than learning to do it where you are. The only difference is I'm not driving by to look at the house. And really, I don't need to be driving by to look at the house. I really don't know what I'm looking at. It's, it's, you know, I think I've talked to you guys before when, when your car breaks and you, you pull open the hood and you look at the engine and like, what are any of us looking for? We don't know. <laughs> like if there's obvious smoke, coming, I'm looking maybe. to look like a man. That's what I'm looking. Yeah. That's yeah. why you're doing it. Cause <laughs> girls are there and you want to look like, you know what you're doing, but well, you don't. Yeah. Not but that okay. doesn't help. No, <laughs> I still look like a moron. Nothing can really help that one. No, but, I'm just uh, like, okay. there's a bunch of parts in here. I don't know. That's what we do with real estate. When someone is, who's yeah. not a home inspector or a super experienced investor <laughs> walks the home, that's what they're doing. They're just looking at that engine like, oh, yeah, look, they've got baseboard. All right. Oh, look at that. They don't know what they're looking at. I need to see a report from the inspector. This brings me a lot of confidence, David. <laughs> Good. I'm very glad to hear that. You need to look at what the experts are showing you, not what you think on your own self. And I think too many of us yeah. make this mistake of thinking, I got to learn how to do it all. You got to figure out what your 20% is, like what you said, Brandon, what you're really good at, and then find the right people to do the other 80% of things to run your business. Yeah. All right. So great, great stuff. Great information. The whole convenience thing's awesome. How are you finding these properties? So your, your step one is to find that core four, as you call them. Love that, by the way. Yeah, who well, said did, core four? Is that your phrase, David, or did, did Josh? Yeah, I, do I get to uh, have like a bigger pockets trademark now? Is you, this like, yeah. oh, <laughs> the core four. Core yes. four, we're going to start using that. Yeah. Bucket list item checked off. Core four from <laughs> David Green. Um, all right, so you've got the core four. Now, how are you finding the properties? You know, this is funny. The majority of homes that I'm buying right now in Florida came from an agent who heard me talk on the podcast about buying in Florida and came to me and said, David, I do a lot of deals in Florida. And she started sending them to me and they were good. She knew what she was doing. She knew how to understand what work needed to be done. She had contractors that could help me. She had a property manager that was really good. And uh, like she got going with me. I was using a wholesaler and I still use those people from time to time. But once you get like a system down and you make a, an impact in an the area, they'll come out and they'll find you. So you need to get so, on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Yeah, and then exactly. You can get that's, that's how you get business. No, no you, actually, it's an agent, right? You found a good agent. 
Yeah, and the same thing would work if I had just posted in the forums. That's what I was looking for in the marketplace. Yep. There's people that are scouring there looking for someone to help. I think yep, that's yep. what I really want your listeners to get. The stuff you need done to make this work, there are people who literally, that is their full-time job to find someone to help with it. That's you a know? good point, yeah. It's not like you have to go train someone from the ground up to do this thing, to, to teach them how to fix a house. There are contractors that want work. There are property managers that are looking for more houses to manage. There are agents that will not get paid if they don't bring me a deal. Right now, a lot of them are bunk. I think we all know that not everybody's good, but it, I need to spend my time going through the people that want to help me and finding out who's good, not trying to do the work myself, not swinging the hammer, not going and necessarily driving for dollars all on my own. If I find somebody else who can do that for me and I just let them do that job, that's way better. Hey, David, how, how do you, I, I think one of my personal big issues, I, you know, I'm from New York. Like I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. You Notice know? that Josh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, thank you, mom and dad for that too. That was uh that's, that's a great neuroses that you guys have, have built upon <laughs> me. I, I really do appreciate it. it. It's, it's healthy and, and makes me, makes me a better person. But how, how does one like myself, not from a psychological standpoint, cause that might take us a few hours, but how, how, how does one do that? Is it, is it really just going through those Yelp reviews, talking to other investors and kind of getting that feedback. Is there any real trick to kind of overcoming that fear of getting screwed over by somebody that, that you uh, work with? Well, I think I'm very similar to you, Josh. I think that's probably one of the reasons we get along is I'm also very... We get along? Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool. This is the highlight of my day. <laughs> I, I don't trust people either. I have very high expectations well, of people. You were a police officer. Yes. Right. And I just had to accept that's who I am. I'm not going to change yeah. that part. I don't want to just go out there and try to start trusting strangers to get over it. Right. And I talk about this in the book a lot. Really, this whole philosophy of finding the right people is built on my belief that rock stars know rock stars. I say that all the time. Right. So people that are really good at what they do hang out with other people that are really good at what they do. When you've achieved a level of excellence in your profession or whatever you do, you probably want to be around other people who are the same way. Like I remember Tiger Woods was best friends with uh, who is that Swedish tennis player that was really good. Roger Federer. Like they were hanging out with each other all the time. You wouldn't think they have anything in common, but they were both the best at what they did. And they like to be around each other because of that. You know, Michael yeah. Jordan wasn't hanging out with the best players all the time. He was rubbing elbows with other all-stars. And the same thing goes for people that are not rock stars, the shady people of the world, the ones that are selfish, they always end up finding each other and just like never being happy because they're always trying to take advantage of each other and screw each other over. Yeah. So if you want to find people that you can trust, you find one person that you can trust and you win that person over and you start seeing who would you use in this situation? How can I help you? I give a lot of examples in the book of ways that I kind of like built my team up based on, I found one really honest, really hard work in person. And I just made that relationship very important. And I started saying, Hey, I need someone to do this. Who do you know? And if his answer was, I don't know anyone, I would say, okay, well, who do you know that would know? Can you do me a favor? And can you go ask this really influential person? Hey, this is what I need. Right? So now, you know, I buy all across the country. If people that know me wanted to know where to invest, I could plug them into what I already have going on because I've done a lot of the vetting and I would do that for someone that I liked, like another rock star type of personality, uh, right? What? Uh, <laughs> I was just clearing my throat. I oh, mean, sure. Yeah. And yeah, now yeah, that yeah. I know that he likes me, I, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? It doesn't mean so you're a rock star. He can like you without you being a rock oh, star. Oh, that's, that is true. That is true. But if, <laughs> if you think about it, if you wanted to start a website, if somehow you were able to get into Josh Dorkin's good graces, like who better would you go to to figure out how to do that, right? Yeah. I don't need to, to look at every single person and study their Yelp reviews and, and inch forward with that person until I trust them. If Josh could tell me, yeah, I've used him and he's good, I trust yeah. this guy. 
more than likely I can trust that guy too. That's how the big, the wealthy people maintain their wealth is they're rubbing elbows with other wealthy people and they're not going through the process of trial and error that like the little guys got to go through to get started. I really think that's what I want people to understand about the whole thing is find somebody who's good at what they do and make, give them a reason to like you and you can get into their world and you can start to find the people that they trust. You know, Brandon has this really good analogy of when a plane is taken off from a runway, how much energy it takes to get that big, huge plane moving. And then once it starts to get off the ground, you have to keep your foot on the gas really hard to get it up in the air. But once it's already up there and coasting, it doesn't take a whole lot of energy. The thing's kind of just on autopilot and it can move. When you're first starting to build your real estate, investing business, which is where most people on bigger pockets are, you have to be very, very intense and with a high purpose of finding people that you can develop relationships with that will help you. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. And yeah. and we, we could probably talk for hours and hours about just trust and relationships. And, and I, I think we probably don't focus enough on that on the podcast. I, I, we, we touch upon it on probably every show, but I, I think this show in particular is so valuable be- because of this. So, so thank you. Um, by the way, I also want to note, I made a snarky remark, remark about you not trusting anyone because you were a cop. And I do want to say how much, not to kiss your ass or anything else, but like how, how much I do appreciate the police officers and how important they are to all of us. And we got to all work together and figure out how to get past this, this nonsense that we all have on both sides. Right. Um, yeah. I but, appreciate that, Josh. All right. So, so now I've gone, I'm, I've got this team, I've got these people. Maybe the agent is helping me find stuff. I'm assuming maybe I could look you know, I'm looking on Redfin or Zillow or some of these sites and trying to find opportunities, passing them on to my agent who's got boots on the ground and the other folks that I know now that have boots on the ground who could tell me bad neighborhood, great neighborhood, block by block. Okay, cool. At this point, are you ever getting on the plane to go out there or, you know, I would assume for somebody who's new at this, you would probably recommend they go and do that. Yeah. I got on a plane my first time to Florida to meet with the people. I didn't see any of the properties themselves, but I did want to meet with the people face to face. Once I kind of had that foundation laid and I was using their referrals, I never went out there again to look at anything. And there was really no reason for, like I said, I don't know what I'm looking at anyways. I can see all the pictures. I can have them go make videos. I know the property exists, right? It's not hard to verify that. The only things that I'm worried about are actually how much work is it going to need and is this a good neighborhood? And if it's a it's a reputable property manager who knows I want to do repeat business with them and I've talked to other people that work with them and they've said this guy's a straight shooter, I wouldn't feel the need to get on a plane and go out there and look around. I wouldn't knock anyone that does. Right. If that's what you need to feel comfortable, then you need to do it. Because like Brandon was saying, the first deal doesn't matter if you're going to lose a little bit of money on that. But you build up a level of comfort that will enable you to make much more money later. You're never going to look back and say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have bought that plane ticket. I think that's important that people understand there's decisions that we make that are based on emotions and they don't help your business whatsoever. But if that's what you need to get to be comfortable to where you can help your business, then do that. Do what you need to because there's so much wealth opportunity to be built with real estate that it's sickening to think about 30 years could go by and you're going to look back and you could have been a multimillionaire based off of what your tenants paid for you and you missed it because of some stupid fear you had that you thought out-of-state investing was risky. Yeah. What, What if stuff goes wrong? Like what kind of stuff? I, I don't know. I'm I'm sitting here listening to this guy David Green, who, you know, talks like he knows what he's doing, and Josh and Brandon are kind of interviewing <laughs> him, and he's telling me, you know, technology and people and trust, and you know, I, I don't know what what if something goes wrong. I, I I'm you know listening like a, to like you. A tenant trashes what the house. Tenant doesn't does pay, something or your property yeah, steals from you. Okay. I don't know. Anything that could go wrong, 
there is someone whose job it is to fix it first off. And second, those are all things that could happen in the, in this market that could be right down the street from you. It won't be any different when you're out of state. I haven't come across anything that's unique to being in a different area than what I have with the rentals that I own in California. Same stuff happens, right? So I had a tree fall over during the hurricane, fell on the roof of one of my houses. My fault for not cutting down the tree when I bought it. I don't know what I was thinking, buying a house and not in Florida and not cutting down trees that were around it. But we paid somebody to go out there and fix the roof and to move the tree. And I, I was a little upset for a little bit. And then I realized this could happen at one of my rentals that are nearby just the same. It's, it's really real estate is real estate no matter where you go. What makes local stuff different is you know that market right? If you can learn another market or learn people that know that market, then it's the same as if you're buying in your own backyard. And that's what I want to impress on people because there's so many people that I see that are passing up on opportunities to buy homes and they're saying, I'm waiting for the next crash. I'm waiting for the next crash. I'm waiting for the next opportunity. And I am too. Um, and that's why I burr. I want all my money back out so I can buy when the, the market crashes on the coast. That's when you're going to make most of your money is when you're buying in one of these, you know, West coast or East coast markets and it's at a low and it's going to shoot up really high. But in the meantime, I may not be hitting home runs, but if I can get singles and doubles in some of the Midwest or Southern markets, like I'd be a fool to pass that up, especially if you can burn and you can get your capital back out. Yeah. I know that's a really good question is what if something goes wrong? I just haven't seen anything go wrong that wouldn't have happened in my own market as well. So, so if somebody were to say, Hey, what was the worst experience you've had? Would it be the tree falling on the roof? I mean, or, or no, the worst experience I had was I put a house under contract. I had a lot going on. I think I put like five under contract at the same time. I had my real estate agent business and we were in a super busy month and I literally forgot that I had put it under contract and Whoops. I didn't get the contractors <laughs> out there yeah, in time to do the inspections. And when we did, we found that what looked like a small problem with the roof was actually a gaping hole. Rain had been raining on it for this entire time before I bought it and after. And the water had actually seeped not only like into the floor, but like into the walls. Mm -hmm. So there was dry rot in the actual framing of the house that we had to cut out the dry wall and see like the home whole home had to be basically taken down to the studs and rebuilt. That's so, nice. um, it, I hadn't closed on it luckily for me, but I'd lost my earnest money deposit cause I had to back out of that deal when I saw what the problem was. And so your takeaway from that is don't be so busy doing so <laughs> many damn deals. So you can actually remember all the deals that you're doing. Is that kind of getting assistant? You know, that or, was my <laughs> original thought, Josh, but honestly, <laughs> if I had to go back and look at it, I would have lost that on like the other four or five deals that I had done during that same time frame that made me 20 to 40 grand on each one. That was kind of the cost of doing business. Like if I had to go back, I still would have done it the same way. What I did is I just told my agent, Hey, I'm giving you more responsibility in running these projects instead of me. And I have a good one. So she was more than willing to take that on. I said, I can't keep up with this. I need you to run the, the, the contractors and the home inspections and report back to me what you see rather than me trying to take the responsibility of it. And to be honest, that was a blessing in this guys because I should have had her doing that the whole time. There's yeah. no reason for me to be to be that involved in the details of what's going on when she's perfectly capable of it. I Got love it. that. That's I great. love that. Yeah. I, That's great. I, I love your encouragement on like utilizing other people to do things. Like if you just act like a lot of times I just do things because I feel like I have to do them. But like why not just empower other people? Like you just never people never think to ask. I never think to ask. So Anyway, love that. So last kind of question before we go to the fire round, like where are you, where do you see yourself and your company headed the next few years? Are you going to keep buying out of state? Are you going to, uh, you know, where, where do you see the next five, 10 years going for you? 
I'm going to buy wherever it makes sense to buy. And that's why I feel like this book is such a, a powerful tool for people that don't understand that you can get into investing in a market that actually does make sense for you. If, if you don't have a lot of money, then you shouldn't be trying to buy in the Bay Area of California. Go to a place like Kentucky or Wisconsin where you don't need a lot of money to get your feet wet. My ultimate goal is to have a team in probably like 15 to 20 different cities across the United States and to continue buying rental property in all of them in whatever makes sense in a way that doesn't take a ton of my time, which means that my time needs to be spent looking for ways to earn money so that I can continue investing it, which is why I'm building up this real estate agent business. So I can take my knowledge of real estate, serve my clients with it, earn money that I can use to keep investing. I've seen a small taste of when you put a system in place that will run itself, how little work it takes on your behalf and how powerfully quickly that can build your wealth. And that's what I want to double down on. That's where I see myself headed. Awesome. So your strategy, if, if I can try to paraphrase, is keep working your day job so that you have the capital and resources to continue to build a portfolio of investment properties. Uh, but But at the end of the day, you want to keep working because you know that's going to allow you to continue to build more and more wealth via uh, this real estate. Stuff. Absolutely. And then every decision I make is based on how I make that easier for myself. So I have to learn learn how to be a better agent so that it can be easier for me to make more money. I have to find markets where it's not a lot of time spent looking for something that will make sense, right? A target rich environment. So I'm not spinning my wheels and buying one house a year, but putting in thousands of hours of time trying to find one thing because this is a market I'm comfortable with. If I can buy in Arkansas and I have a team of people out there that I know and I trust and are good and the deals make sense, then I'm going to go buy in Arkansas. If I could do the same thing in Florida, in Arizona, in Georgia, wherever they are, I'm making my job easier so that I can focus my time on, like I was saying, making money so I can keep keep this thing going. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Well, we got some more questions for you. So let's head over to the world famous Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1.
We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's head over to the world famous fire round. Number one, these questions, by the way, come out of the Bigger Pockets forums. It's real life people asking these. Number one, I'm looking for out of town lending, hitting a lot of roadblocks, living in California and investing in other states. Local banks are hit and miss, but nervous about an out of town investor and large regional banks are too big for some of the smaller units that I'm trying to buy. What do I do? I feel your pain, bro. That's a tricky situation. <laughs> first thing first thing you want to do is to find an agent who has actually worked with investors before and hopefully is an investor themselves because they're going to have the contacts to find those banks that other people don't know about. Second thing you can do, which is a road I've taken, is I've actually gone and I've looked for commercial loans that will be secured by residential property. And if you can put a couple different properties together, you can sometimes get a blanket mortgage that will cover all of your residential properties, but under commercial terms. It's great advice. Very, very good advice. Awesome. All right, next question. I currently live in Brooklyn, New York City. And as we all know, the property prices here are ridiculous. My question is, if I wanted to finance a duplex or fourplex out of state, do I need to go to that state to obtain a bank loan or could I use Chase Bank in New York to apply for a loan for a house in Philly? Is that legal? Chase or anybody else? Oh, it's totally legal. It just depends on the bank's own lending standards. Something like Chase, I'm sure they have branches everywhere that you'd be able to get a loan through them. I don't know that they'd give you the best rate though. I try to avoid the big banks and I try to find mortgage brokers that are going to shop my file around and look for somebody that's going to give me a competitive rate. So I would start there. But if you were just pressed for time, using a big bank like Chase, Wells Fargo, that have branches in every other state, you can get approved at your local bank and get the loan in the place where you want to buy. It's a good idea. Great. All righty. Next question. Uh, I live in California and I invest in multiple states. What are the advantages and disadvantages of using a CPA who is not in California? Is it important to have somebody in my local state or in the state that I buy in or just a generalist? Does it not really matter? You know, I'm not a CPA, so I'm probably not the best person to answer that. But my understanding is that you file taxes based on the state you live in. So having a CPA in those other states probably wouldn't help you because you're going to be claiming the income that that property makes or doesn't make you through your own state. Cool. And to add on to that, this is something I'm learning because I'm buying in Ohio that Ohio has a lot of weird tax rules, like city by city. They have different taxes on the rental income. It's weird, but I'm learning all this. So what I did is I found actually from bigger pockets. I met a guy at a local meetup when I was out there uh, who is a CPA in that area. Now he, he's not going to do my taxes, but I can talk with him, chat with him, ask him questions. I can hire him just for that one thing. Like, Hey, help me with this one thing. Cause Ohio has got weird rules and weird laws. So anyway, just a caveat on that. If your state has weird things, if you find out just and then you connect him with your local CPA. Yeah, and they can and, deal and, with everything. And yeah, yeah. so cool. I like that. 
All right. Last question. How does one get started with out-of-state investing with smaller properties? Often you hear that you need 40, 50 units to cover the cost of property management. What if you don't want that many units? How does somebody get started with out-of-state investing with a simple triplex or fourplex? I don't understand the people that say you need 50 units to cover the cost of property management. I, I use a property manager on every property I've ever owned and I've, it's, I've just write it into the deal and I and still so it's get the same returns. cost, right? Yes. 10%, all the time. 8%. I, and once you get several, I pay between six to 8% now because I have more than one house with that company. So I'd say on average, when I'm buying in Florida, I'm cash flowing between 400 and 500 a month. And that's with underwriting about 80 bucks of property management into every one of those deals. So I would say that's a myth. Don't buy into the fact you have to buy 50 units. If that's what it takes, then maybe you're just buying a deal that's not that great. Look for a deal that's good enough and there should be more than enough meat on the bone to pay for property management. I will never not use a property manager because I use them for more than just collecting the rent. Like I was saying earlier, I use them on a Sherpa. I'm trying to climb you know, Mount Everest. I don't know how to get there. <laughs> I want someone who's done it before. Tell me about this neighborhood. Tell me about this area. Tell me about the kind of tenant I'm going to get. Is this the high crime area or is this the blue collar area? Am I too close to the, to the railroad tracks and no one's going to want to rent here? Is there a demand or are these houses sitting on the market forever? I want you telling me that. And I would probably use one even if it was like the houses I have in the same city as me. I'm using one for those same reasons. I don't want to spend my time trying to figure out what's going on in the rental market. I'm off doing other things. So I would say you should just assume you're going to use a property manager. And I would encourage people, don't think of them as just a rent collector. Make them earn that money. Use them as like a consultant that you have when you're looking at buying into another state. And they will know people that will make it easier for you to start buying in those areas. That's great. And, yeah. and Brandon, I've got a question for you. Okay. How does somebody know how to evaluate a deal properly? Well, you know, there is this brand new software out there, this brand new company called Bigger Pockets, And we actually brand have new. brand new, uh, like 15 years, what, 12, 13? I don't know. 13. How many years. 13. Okay. Old. So uh, anyway, check out our calculators. Biggerpockets. It's a shame as the supposed yeah. co-founder yeah, that you don't know how long <laughs> we've been around. But, you know, you should at least study that so Anchor. you can continue the ruse. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, the anchor. Uh, all right. So go to biggerpockets.com slash analysis and uh, check out our suite of calculators. We actually have a brand new one out there as uh, uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, it's the rehab estimation calculator to actually help you budget and plan your rehab. So again, biggerpockets.com slash analysis. Try it out. Awesome. All right. So before we move to the famous four, uh, David, we've got this book. We, we, we mentioned it in the beginning and, oh, yes. and, and I think, I think we should talk about it. It's called Long distance real estate investing. Whoops. Long distance real estate investing. How to buy, rehab, and manage out of state rental properties by author David Green. So, David Green, why why write a book and and give us give us kind of the gist of of this thing? So I wrote that book because I hear a ton of people saying, David, I want to invest in real estate, but I can't. My market isn't work. I don't have enough money. There's always some reason why people say that they can't invest, right? There's no reason that you shouldn't be investing if you understand the fundamentals of investing. So I spelled out my entire system, everything from finding the market you want to invest in, the technology that I use to do this stuff, how I do it efficiently and with time consideration, the people that I need on my team to put it together, how to build those relationships, and then a ton of stuff on actually how I rehab properties. I have a section on uh, rehab hacking, basically upgrade hacking, where I show you if you're going to replace something anyways, and you have to rip out a certain part of the house to do it, sometimes to spend an extra two or 300 bucks to get upgraded items in there, 
is get you your money back in spades. You know, I wouldn't recommend that you take out your appliances and you put in stainless steel ones if they work fine. But if you have to rip them out anyways and spending an extra 200 bucks can get you stainless steel appliances and that cuts down on two or three weeks of vacancy because your tenant really liked them, then do it. You know, lots of little tips like that. I pretty much took my whole system and wrote it into a book that anybody can copy if they want to do the same things that I'm doing. And I'm really trying to just dispel the myth that out-of-state investing equals risky. What's risky is ignorance. And if you're ignorant of something, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, that's what's risky. If you gather the information that you need to make a good decision, it doesn't matter where the house you're buying is. That's great. And that's great. Fantastic. And who is this? Who is this guy that wrote it? Because he looks awfully different than than. Yeah, there's no do. beard on the guy in the back of the book. So doesn't the he guy look like I'm... a square? Man. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, I, I, I take umbrage with with this this uh, beardist comment of yours. Well, if I look like uh, the lead singer of Maroon Five, I'd probably be clean shaven too. But you know, guys <laughs> like me, we need to do a little something, <laughs> help ourselves out. In all honesty, I just I've, I have never grown a beard in my life, and it's the first time I ever haven't had to go to work as a cop. And I just thought I'm just going to do it because I can. That's Wait, can cops not have beards? Yeah, you can't. You got to really? be clean shaven. And it's like the New York Yankees. There's a certain look that they're going for. It used, you got used to be that with the Yankees, right? Now they they kind of well, let it all go. The franchise since they got rid of that. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice, uh, nice. Awesome. All right. So let me tell you real quick about the book. Now, if you don't care about the book at all, just skip forward 30 seconds or a minute. But uh, for those people interested in buying it, go to biggerpockets.com forward slash long distance book. It's $24.99. You can learn more about it there. And here's the cool thing. When you buy the book, we're actually going to give you a bunch of really neat bonuses. Uh, so bonus number one is an ebook called The Frightening Four, The Four Big- Biggest Roadblocks Out-of-State Investors Face. Uh, a video called Building Your Rockstar Core Four Team, uh, where David just walks through in detail how do you build that team. A super high quality HD video. You guys are going to love it. Uh, another video we put together, uh, it's actually David and I together sitting down talking about uh, how to buy your first out-of-state investment. Because I just did that. So he kind of coaches me through the fears and through the process of doing that. You guys will find that super valuable. And then for a launch-only bonus, we love providing a little bit extra bonus, a little extra value for people who take immediate action. So for those people who buy in the first 10 days of this book launch, you're going to get something extra special. It is a live online class hosted by David uh, called Finding and Funding Long Distance Rentals plus a live Q&A. So basically we're going to sit down with David uh, and he's going to walk through his own properties, his own process for doing this, uh, walk you through the actual properties that he's got, the neighborhoods, all that stuff. It's going to be really, really awesome. And you'll be able to ask questions like live with David. We're going to have a couple different times you can choose from, but we'll do a couple of these just to really dive in deep. Again, we don't want you guys just to read a book. We want you to actually have your life changed. So that's what all these bonuses are for. And again, if you buy in the first 10 days, which is uh, before Christmas day, you're going to get all this stuff. Uh, and uh, with that, let's go on. It's also available anywhere that books are. Yeah, I mean, go to Barnes and & Noble, go to Amazon, whatever. And if you can't find it, you know, you holler at them and tell them they need to start carrying that book. So, yeah, there you go. All right. All right. Moving on. Let's, uh, by the way, just from a personal standpoint, the book is fantastic. Like, we're not just saying that. Like, it really is good, David. I think you did an awesome job. So thank you, Brandon. Yeah. You're going to help a lot of people. All right. With that, let's get to the world famous famous four. All right. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. I know we heard you answer these last time, David, but maybe they changed. Number one, other than your own now, what is your favorite real, real estate related book? 
I'm still a big fan of the real estate millionaire agent. I know a lot of people are not real estate agents, so they wouldn't read it. But the principles in that book, as far as like focusing on the 20% of things you're good at, leveraging out what is not your thing, are timeless. And I really feel they'll work for any business. That's great. What about favorite business book? That would still be The uh, Richest Man in Babylon. I feel like that should be required reading in schools. It is such a good book. If you're new to real estate investing and you feel any anxiety about this whole thing, start with reading that book. You follow those fundamentals and it's very hard to lose money. If you can get that part down, then you just have to figure out how real estate investing specifically will fit into your goals. Still tops on my list. Yeah, it is fantastic. All right, what about hobbies? What are you doing for fun these days? Right now, I am busting my butt trying to figure out how to be a leader. You know, as a police officer, it took a certain kind of skill set to be a good one. And as a, as a real estate agent running a team with employees now, it is a whole different world. It's people tough. don't. Yeah, man, I this is it really caught me by surprise. So having to learn that people don't communicate the way I do, they don't think the way I do, they don't have my my tolerance for risk or stress the same way, trying to figure out how to motivate all different kinds of people to get the very best out of them is kind of like taking all my time right now and reading books, talking to, you know, older, more mature people that have been there before. That's where I'd say the majority of my time is spent. But I feel like, you know, once I get that down, this thing's really going to take off and it's going to be well worth it. That's great. That's great. There we go. All right. Last question of the day. David, what do you think sets apart successful out-of-state investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I like this. This is like the remix. Out-of-state investors. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So if you focus on what could go wrong, you will always find reasons that you shouldn't do something. This is just the way that life works. If you focus on something that, that that you're afraid of, you'll find a reason to justify it. Most people don't understand what they're missing out on by not taking these risks, by not learning how to invest. And and like for me, invest out of state, because that's where I needed to go. I would have lost out on millions of dollars, millions of dollars, right? And 30 years from now, it'll probably be more like 10 to $20 million of just letting like the compound effect of wealth build. If you spent more time focusing on what you're going to miss out on than what could go wrong, the, the risk would start to become a lot more sensible to start to take. That's where I think people miss out on real estate in general is they're looking at how they could lose money or how they could lose time or how it could go wrong rather than, yeah, like, like Brandon was saying, if your first deal doesn't go great, focus on what you learned. It's, if you lost a couple bucks on a deal, it's still less than what you'd have had to pay some guru to teach you. And you have some hands-on experience. And if you don't quit, you keep going, you will eventually work your system out to where it's making you tons of money. That's what it comes down to, really. I guess to sum that up, the expectations that you have going into something, if your expectations are, I'm not going to make good money, but I'm going to learn a ton that's going to make me money later, you'll go on to be very successful. If your expectation was, I'll hit a home run on my very first swing, and if I don't, then the whole thing was a scam, you're not going to do well. That's great advice. Wow. I love that. Really, really good. All right, man, before we let you go, how can people reach out and, and connect? Obviously, where else can they find you? And, and what was that URL for that book again? Brandon? Uh, oh, the URL is biggerpockets.com forward slash long distance book. Yep. And you can also find me on biggerpockets.com. I love that website. It's very close to my heart. <laughs> I'll be there forever. You can hit me on Facebook at David Green 24. And then I have a website, greenincome.com. Just remember there's an E at the end of green or my website, davidgreen24.com. So pretty much any of those mediums, if you reach out to me there, you can get a hold of me and we can talk some real estate. Awesome. And we'll have links to those in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 257. That's biggerpockets.com slash show two, five, seven. David, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Congrats to you on all your successes. 
congrats on the launch of your new book. I'm very excited. I know you are as well. And uh, everybody get out there and, and check it out. And obviously, uh, if you love it, please uh, jump on Amazon, jump on other places, leave us ratings uh, on the book. And if you're listening to the show, you should leave us ratings and reviews on, on iTunes and anywhere else. So thank you, David Green, for coming on the show. Best of luck to you. Thank you, guys. I had a blast. Thank you. All right, guys, that was David Green here on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. That was great, man. Yeah. Core four. Yeah, I, I feel like one, I, the core four is just a cool, like just a, a cool thing. And like, yeah. I don't know, I, I feel like I, what's the word? I feel, feel stupid. A There's a lot of feelings. I feel stupid over the way that I've done a lot of my investing. Cause I'm like, no, David gets it. Like I always went for the deal and then was like scrambling to find people to maybe help in areas. But he's like, no, build your team of rock stars. They will help you every step of the way. And I love that. We have not. I don't think we've heard that before from anybody. Yeah. It's always been find a great deal and then build from there. Yeah. This is the complete polar opposite. Of yeah. that. This is find an amazing team yeah. and everything good will come from there. Yeah. And you know, actually a real life example of that I'll give you a couple of shout outs. So a lot of people know I was working through that 1031 exchange thing, which all worked out. I think we talked about that in recent weeks, but the way that I actually found the deal, like actually both came from bigger pockets, recommendations from people. And the way I got my lenders, the way I got uh, property managers, all that came from recommendations. A couple of quick shout outs, Todd, Dexheimer, who we had on the episode a couple months ago, he actually connected me with the, the Cincinnati area and some people there. And then Joe Fairless, who we've had on the show, connected with some people there. And then Ryan Murdoch, who we've had on the show, connected with people in his area and we're working together on a deal. So like, like just networking with people who you know that are smart is exactly what he was saying today. So, yeah. Wait, but Brandon, you're the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. That's easy for you. How hey, would I do that? You know how you know how I did it? I I shot a message over to a couple people that were on the site and I said, Hey, I'm looking for actually the way I did, I said, Hey, I'm just I don't know this area very well. Do you know is this in the bad area or good area? It was a very simple question. I think I sent that to Joe Fairless first. Uh, I said, Is this a bad area or good area? And he responded, but then more than that, he offered just a little bit more advice. Like, hey, I would, you know, stay clear of that one, but check out this and then check out this lender. And he connected with a guy named Slocum, who is awesome. If you're listening, Slocum, you're amazing, uh, who's an agent who then led me, led me to a deal, which led me all over. So anyway, it was all relationships, 100%. That's great. So, awesome. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll pay attention. Go back. I, this is one you might want to rewind and listen to again, yeah, but uh, fantastic, fantastic. Again, big thanks to Dave. And stick around Got, for the random six after the music. It's oh yeah, you should do that. It's, it's, uh, it's really good. <laughs> guys, this is show 257. On the Bigger Pockets podcast in the books. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show two five seven. And uh pick up a copy of, pick up a copy of David's book. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Biggerpockets.com slash long distance book. Biggerpockets.com slash long distance book. There you go, check it out. And again, if you buy in the first 10 days, you're going to get some cool bonus stuff, including invited to an exclusive like one-on-one webinar class with David. It's gonna be amazing. Um, so that's gonna be happening at the end of the month. But if you buy now, you get invited. Cool. There you go. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And until next time, I'm Josh Dorkin, host, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. It's time for it. It's time for The Random Six. All right, these are the random questions just to get to know you a little better, David. Number one. I want this one. Fine, take so it. Uh, number yeah. one, have you ever had a teacher ever, has a teacher ever changed your life? How so? 
I feel like Josh should have asked that question better. I think we should have <laughs> let him. We should have let him take. It. Hey, David. So, has a teacher ever changed your life? And if so, how? Well, well you know, better. I couldn't. I couldn't think of one. But now that Josh has asked me, like all these examples are. This is. I mean, this is how the world works, isn't it? It's energy. Right. Good energy versus. Uh, it's, I don't know. The, it's the anchor. That's clearly what this is. <laughs> you know. I have I had a teacher that taught economics too, and I still remember this. It was in college, and he was so horrible, just a complete a hole, if I can say that. And uh, in my economics one class, I got the highest grade in the whole class, and then I went into his, and I would ask him questions to explain what he was trying to teach us, and he didn't like that. He was one of those people that just wanted you to to take it because I said it as gospel. And he started like giving me bad grades on stuff, and I would go take my test back to him, and he's like, "Oh, I misgraded that. I misgraded this." And he was like giving me like sixties out of a hundreds when I actually had scored like <laughs> eighty or ninety on like just like pick ABC type answers, right? It was objective. There's no way he could possibly say it was like he didn't like my writing. And uh, I was really frustrated. Like, why is this guy so bad? And I think I still remember him to this day because like some little inner resolve came out of me. Like, I don't have to get pushed around by like the powers that be telling me I'm not, I shouldn't be asking these questions or bothered by it. Like I can stand up to this dude. And I think it kind of like brought out a piece of me that like kind of like a fearless, like I'm going to fight back thing that really served me well going into this business where you have setbacks all the time, you know, and I would encourage other people who have been through similar experiences. Don't let those become your reason to quit. Let that be the reason to pull something out of you that you didn't know was there that will get you through the next phase of your life. I got to say something. So I've never heard anyone else say anything like that. And I, I had a very, very, very similar experience, not, not in terms of the, the, um, pulling that crap with the grades. I mean, that, that stuff is just crazy, but I had a teacher that was beloved and everybody in the school loved this person. And I thought he was full of crap. (laughs) I thought he was completely and utterly full of crap. And I was in student government and, and he was kind of overseeing it. And, and, and one day he, I, I don't know, I don't remember the exact thing that, that happened, but I, I was, somebody said something and he said, no, it's got to be this way. And I'm like, dude, like you're the dictator of the student government. Like these kids don't even get a chance to do government because you're over overthrowing and everything that people are trying to do here. You're not giving them a chance. I spoke out and I was scared to death when I did that. I'm like, oh my God, everybody loves him. Am I crazy? I spoke out. I, I remember the exact detail. I think he threw me out, threw me off. I definitely got thrown out of the room. I don't know if I got thrown off student government or if I quit, but I then transferred out of his class because I was like, like, I don't want to be pushed around by you. And, and like everybody loves you, but you're so full of it. Like we as individuals need those moments of growth, those fearless moments that come. And I don't know, I, I never forget that. Like when I think about school, that's one of those moments that I always think about. And I think was one of my growth moments. So despite that difficult opportunity, something really good came out of it. Yeah. And look where you are now. Like if you hadn't have gone through that, you might not be the leader that you are right now because you saw everything you didn't want to be. This guy was not a straight shooter. He was full of it. He manipulated people to get him to like him. Like because you kind of took a stand and decided Josh is not going to be that kind of a person, you're a much better leader in the role you're in. So it almost looks like divine intervention where you knew someone knew where you were going to end up. And so what you went through helped prepare you to do better in that role. And I wish more people would look at things that way rather than just playing a victim and saying, oh, it's not fair. He was mean to me. So I should just quit. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, next question. If you could have tea with one fictional character, <laughs> who would it be? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I wish I had more time to think about this. Well, take your time. Tea with a fictional. Brandon, who would it be while he's thinking? For, for, for David or for me? For you. That's a tough question. What about for you? It, it might be, boy, that is a tough question. Right. Um, it might be like Rocky. <laughs> might be Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa. Okay. Um, you know, kind of seeing all the challenges he went through and all the chaos and, and kind of overcoming everything that yep. got in his way. I, I think those for me are the kinds of stories that – I find fascinating. So those are the things that I, I seek out and, and try to figure out how did somebody overcome um, that that challenge. I'm going to go Gandalf. You're Gandalf. turning into Gandalf. Gandalf. I You're looking more and more like him every time that beard grows. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like nine feet tall like he is and, too. And why, why Gandalf? Because he's tall. That's about it. He's wise. He <laughs> you smokes the, a pipe. I don't know. the least introspective, thoughtful human being I've ever met. Da- David Green, please give us something cool here. All right, I would be. It would be a, a match or a tie between Maximus and Batman. Oh, I really man. like Batman in the sense that he kind of rubs elbows with rock stars, but he doesn't have superpowers. I just love that that dude gets the very most out of himself he can. I mean, he's fictional. None of us could do what he's doing, but he said, I, "What do I want to do? I want to fight crime. I better go learn to be a martial artist and everything there is." Okay, I'm still a man. I need to develop technology to help me do what I want to do. In some ways, that's kind of what we're trying to do as business people: is we're trying to turn ourselves into the most successful version of ourselves that we can be to accomplish the goals we have. And I think that's why I'm drawn to, to Batman. And then I really like Maximus from gladiator just in the sense of like what motivated him kind of, he, he put himself through hell for a, a bigger purpose at a time when he just wanted to give up. His family was killed and he had nothing left. And rather than just turning over and saying, I just want to die too. He said, well, I'm going to go out with a bang. I really kind of like that story. He was a very so on- that- honorable guy. Yeah, he made that determination he was going to be a hero. I I was just, I'm I'm reading the book Principles from Ray Dalio now, and he talks about Joseph Campbell, hero with a thousand faces, Mm -hmm. and the the choice to become a hero because the path of a hero is is not an easy one. And that book, that was that was a seriously deep book. I I read that. In fact, I believe I read that book as a result of leaving that class and going into a, a different classroom. Yes. This is um, all tying together for you. And that is a cool book. And if you guys haven't read Hero with a Thousand Faces, definitely recommend that. Very good. Yeah. Brandon, uh, I think it's your question. Should I just read it, David? No, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. David, what movie could you see again and again and again? That was my movie. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was pretty, that pretty good, good, by the way. Yeah, I was. That was, that was you should have said, like, in a world. In a world. <laughs> movie a million times. Um, <laughs> one, one man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. All right. What movie is that? I really like The Matrix. I've watched that one over and over and over. And um, two, one, I really one like, two or three. Uh, I've one. One was the yeah. best one. Yeah, I, agree. I think. One. Usually it is. And then uh, I also really like like the Batman movies. I've watched those several times over. I could probably. Oh, you know what? The better answer to that question would be Dumb and Dumber. As as like un- stupid as that is for me to say, <laughs> I've probably seen Dumb and Dumber like twenty times, and it just does not get any less funny every pretty, time I see. Pretty, pretty bird. Pretty, yes, pretty bird. it's not insightful. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I could quote like the entire thing from beginning to end, and I don't know what it is about that being like the perfect guy movie. But I think that's yeah. why we get along so well. Is we have a lot of Dumb and Dumber quotes when we're that together. That is a dumb movie. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. aptly named. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> So if you had a chance, you know, uh, your, your, your business is doing well, you've earned, uh, enough money to, to start doing some cool things with it. 
if you had a chance to spend your money to go to space on like the Virgin Galactic or something like that, would you? No, there's there's no people in space. I think I would rather spend my time trying to help people. It's hard to get ahead. It's hard to do well. It's hard to overcome a lot of the things that life throws at you. And not many people do. And I kind of feel like as somebody who has, there's an obligation you have to reach down underneath you and kind of help pull people up. So space doesn't really have as much appeal to me. I think I would rather get my real estate agent business and my investing business running on their own without needing a whole lot of attention from me and go start <gasps> orphanages. Boring. Oh, no, that's not so boring. <laughs> that's what I was getting to, right? Wanting to open orphanages in like third world countries. Josh is like, like lame, <laughs> stupid kids. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, no, that. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, Damn it. Yeah, that was a very that was a very deep answer to a, job, uh, a silly yeah, question. All right, here's another very deep question: If you were forced to get a tattoo across your forehead, what would it say? <laughs> like you have no choice; it's across the entire forehead. So everyone's, <laughs> what's it gonna say? Yeah. All right, I would probably have that quote from Gladiator: "What we do in life echoes in eternity." Ah, I think nice. that's a pretty good quote on your forehead. Good quote. Good quote. <laughs> would you, now that we actually would it be backwards so only you can read it in the mirror, or would it be outwards so everyone else can? That's read it? a well, great question. Wonder, by the way, on a podcast, how would it show? Would I need it to be backwards for it to come? I'm across? not sure if this is backwards or not. So yeah, I, yeah, I might be able to get it so it covers like this, like you know, the uh, shiny like spot. The, yeah, yeah, the shiny spot on my head. I could draw attention away from it onto my tattoo. Well, so next next time we get you on the show, you know, just test it out. Go yeah. go hit the local parlor and see what happens. I like get this. a temporary one and see what kind of feedback I get. Oh, come yeah. on, don't, don't, don't wuss it. Come what on. would you guys get? I, this is a good question. <laughs> I would never get a tattoo. I know it. <laughs> oh, man. Josh would not get a tattoo. I, 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 I'm getting have a sleeve someday. This, have you seen this? Yeah. this <laughs> you don't want to wreck this, that. This was, this, like, was, this was made in perfection. Why would I F with it? It's like putting a bumper sticker on a Lamborghini, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a bumper sticker on a Lamborghini. You know what's Greatest funny? Line of all time. <laughs> so okay, the funny story. So David, when he came up with his first draft of his book, you know, this new book coming out, The Long Distance Real Estate Investor, I think it was Katie came to me and she's like, This book is really, really good. But man, David has a lot of analogies in there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> she's like, is he does he use a lot of analogies? I was like, Yes, he does. Like this guy is like the analogy king. Like, and I love that. So yeah, it's we should got we lots should put him in a, a a analogy off with Scott. I I, I think yeah, that might yeah, be that a pun be a off bad. or something like that. <laughs> would not be a um, bad idea. I all right. Yeah, I don't know what I'd get on my forehead. I got to think longer about that. But hmm. all right, I'd probably do like musical notes. You know, that'd be cool. Like have a cool. Maybe song. have you riding a surfboard on top of music. That would be pretty sweet. By the way, wow. David Green came out to with, uh, Hawaii with, with, with me last year. Fairies. Yeah. <laughs> Me and David went surfing together in Hawaii last year. We we're, uh, you know, we had a we had a good time. I tried to invite Josh invited. out, but Josh wouldn't come. I wasn't invited. I I believe we invited you about a hundred times, and Josh is like, "No, I got work and stuff." Yep, that's wow. right. That's wow. right. Next, I've time. got life changing business to run yeah. over yeah, here. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't go play with you guys in the frolicking <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. Uh, you guys, you guys on your own time, <laughs> you're frolicking. Uh, uh, you know. As long as your wives knew about it, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. We're there. Heather is there. Uh, David is still uh, single, by the way, ladies. So, you know, yes. really? Yeah, David Green. Wow. Look at that. Well, I don't know if he's dating anybody. We can talk married about that. Real estate, man. Married, married, married to real estate, man. Married to real estate. Okay, la- last question on the random six. Dave, what what is your ideal partner? 
We're gonna, we're gonna hook you up. Man. Yeah, it's like this is this is, this wow. is biggerpockets.com slash love all over again. Yes, it is. Oh, God, no, you don't have to answer that, man. <laughs> I don't know how you'd even. I'll tell you this: the one you're gonna get so many emails as a result of this. We are yep. gonna become a dating site. You think so? Didn't Scott try to set Bigger Pockets up to be a dating website for like for April, April Fools? April Fools yep. two years ago, we did biggerpockets.com slash love, and yeah, and hilarious. we had so many people who were disappointed. It wasn't really that it was not legit. <laughs> I best. bet too with Scott. Maybe we could say like, if you buy a copy of my book, you can be entered into a drawing to go on a date with me. We could like John, like hate this so much. <laughs> and then we can make like a spinoff TV show. Yeah, I love this. This is a great idea. Long distance dating. All right, the, long the, distance. the real question. Real, <laughs> real question is: Would you rather work for the FBI? NSA or, or like at a secret service, a secret service would be insanely boring. I know several of those guys and it's not a fun job. They're like, sit here and stare at that door for the next 12 hours and make sure no one goes through it. Mm. I would definitely do FBI. If you do well in the FBI, there's all kinds of cool, different like training you can get. That was really what drew me to police work in general was the training that you can get, like how they can build you up with stuff that's all free. So I would be FBI. So are you the guy when you go to a restaurant, do you sit so that you're facing the doors. Do you like scout everybody out and do you know like what everybody's wearing in the entire restaurant? Yeah, it's that's true, man. You get paranoid. Like no one will ever be able to get behind me without me knowing it. I can't relax. It's like like Jason Bourne in the Bourne Identity, that scene, you I know? See. I mean, that's a little exaggerated, but that's how you become. Like you walk in, you have to be facing the door. You know where all the exits are. You're, you're looking around at every person there to see, does everybody fit in here? Is there someone that stands out? And Unfortunately, like with with some of the mass shootings that we're having, we just had yeah. one at church not too long ago. Like, I think that's sadly be kind of become the new norm in America, where you have to be on the eye, look out yeah. for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I gotta tell you, I, what, me and David hung out in what was it, Austin, like a couple months ago, it was for a GoBundance event that we're both part of, and uh, we went and hung out like what midnight or one in the morning. I don't know. We were just like up <laughs> randomly late in like not a sketchy part, but maybe a little sketchy. Anyway, but I just felt so good having David there because he's like constantly looking around like you know got, he got his cop walk it was fantastic like i i've never felt safer than walking with you in the sketchy part of austin one in the morning so well thank played. you all right <laughs> well david we gotta get out of here thanks so much for being a part of the show today all right thank you guys love you both thanks david adios there's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community with just a 3.5 percent down payment you can own up to four different units Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. 
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.